0: everybody, and welcome to the sixth episode of Tech Talks. Today, we will be interviewing past Academy teachers and founders, Tom Fulton and Mitchell Fields. Thank Thank you for coming to our Tech Talk.
1: Talk. We are going to let Tom and Mitchell decide what they are going to share about themselves because they have both lived such incredible lives thus far. Tell us. (laughs) Uh,
2: Well, uh, Mitchell and I have been colleagues for 40, 50 years. I don't know how long it's been. uh, Yeah, since
3: 1979.
2: And um, my career has spanned from 75 until now, working in different theaters, being artistic director. And uh, about 15 years ago, I got involved with a committee that was looking to see how they would build an arts organization here in the school, and there was a lot of people on it. And at the time, I had been Artistic Director of the Fairmount Center for the Arts. And I'd been thinking about having a program like this all my life. And so when they asked me on it, I really had lots and lots of thoughts. And uh, I brought the thoughts in, and they kept going, Oh, these wonderful. What a wonderful idea. <laughs> and, and I go, yes. Sir. And then one day I came in, and I said, I, I, I hate to tell you this, but I, I'm, I'm resigning from the committee. Why? Why? Oh, I'm, I'm applying for the job. <laughs> and so they hired me.
1: <laughs> and thus began the Academy?
2: And thus began the Academy. I
3: joined the Academy a year later, or actually one semester into it. Tom called me because we had known each other. I studied with him for five years at the Phoenix Theater um, Conservatory, and uh, I owed a great deal to him. Everything I know about acting came from there, even though I had gone to graduate school. For 23 years, I was a teacher at Beechwood High School, where I taught English and the art of motion picture and uh, other courses. And then I retired in uh, 1993. Then I joined the Willoughby Fine Arts Association, and I became their artistic director. That didn't last very long. I did a, a season at Great Lakes. That didn't last very long. Then finally, in 1996, I became a professor at uh, Baldwin Wallace University, where I taught theater for the first half. And then when they found out that I had a master's degree in film, I started teaching film, and I've been teaching film until last December. That was my last class. I am now retired. I worked at the Academy from 2007 all the way till, I think, a year ago. Yeah, and I still did some online classes during the pandemic.
2: Mitchell, is, a, is his film class is just captivating. Oh, Anybody. It you doesn't to you have to be that's a high nice. school kid. You, to go to his class as an adult is an eye-opening experience. He's writing a book about it, too.
3: Yes, I'm writing a book called A Personal History of Film. Because I'm so old, I've been to the theaters, and I saw most of these great films in their first run. I started going to movies when I was about 10 and uh, keeping track of them ever since. I know how many movies I've seen in my whole life. I have no idea.
0: (laughs) Well, that sounds absolutely amazing. Obviously, like, me and Sabrina know Tom. We love you. I never got to know you that much. No. I've heard so much about you, though. So, like, both of you are amazing. Thank you. But knowing that you guys have spent a good chunk of your careers together, mm-hmm. I want to know what is your favorite memory with each other? It could be funny. It could be professional.
2: My favorite that, moment yeah. with Mitchell was, well, I'll talk artistically first. Um, <laughs> <laughs> we did. We were doing the Cherry Orchard, and he played Gaia. Oh, and in, yeah. in the Cherry Orchard, there's this scene. Gaia is a very sentimental sort of useless old man who really does nothing but hang around the house and drink, and one day he gets very sentimental and he starts talking to his bookcase. And he sits and he goes, How does it go, you dear old bookcase? Have yeah. you seen so many years? That's and I'm, right. I'm telling you, you never seen anything like that. It was an amazing moment on the stage. And it always stands out as a, one of those great moments where the theory that we teach and the work on the sensory work and the work on action all came to fruition and created a moment of just absolute intense truth. And that shuts everybody up. Everybody breathes slowly. Uh, It's transforming. So that's one of my favorites about Mitchell.
3: Yeah, that was very important for me too because it was a breakthrough for me. My training up until then had been pretty technical and um i knew about inner life and developing an inner life for my character and all that but that's when it came to fruition for me during that moment and lasted me the rest of my career but you know there have been so many moments we've been he's directed me so many times the first show we ever did together was a musical called dear world at Kane park and then he cast me as sancho even though i can't sing and uh, Man of La Mancha, but I faked it pretty good. It did fine. Um, and you know, and then, and we did Midsummer Nights. He directed me in Midsummer Night's Dream, and then we moved from the Phoenix Theater to the Cleveland Theater Company, and he played King Lear and gave a brilliant performance, and I played Gloucester. There was one scene where we—it was just the two of us. And it was incredibly special for me. <laughs>
2: on the, ha- on that, the
3: heath. That, that, to me, was my best moment with you. Yeah. When we, when we did that scene, that was so moving to
2: me. Yeah, he says, look, 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 read, read. And he says, alas, I'm I blind. have no eyes. <laughs> I'm blind. What? You can see. does that? Go- you yeah. can see we without We could do it. Uh-huh. I don't think I can remember it all. No. Uh, anyway. Anyway,
3: that <laughs> was a very special moment. Yes.
0: I love that. I love that you two are so like sentimental towards each other. I also love the true theater teacher's ability to just recall
1: the scenes as you go. Oh, uh, yeah. We might end up with a special performance by you. We, we didn't of you. recall
2: that very well, though. No, <laughs> we didn't. Not the, di- not the dialogue, but the, the feeling. Yeah, the feeling. The <laughs> essence.
0: Uh, yeah. Mm-hmm.
2: yeah, that always look forward to that moment on stage.
1: To um, keep going down memory lane, since this seems to be a great way to take this. I really want to know what is your favorite memory of either a teacher or a student here at academy. It can be something Somebody, that you found truly sentimental. A teacher
2: at the academy or a, teacher, or a, student, or a student just a moment that
1: really stuck with you.
2: Oh, well, we've had some astonishing performances here at the academy. I always wondered when I first started here if we could do this kind of intense work that we do with uh, with all of you guys. Um trying to deal with things like sorrow and grief and uh, fear and also laughter and honesty on the stage. And we've been able to accomplish that in a number of really wonderful Mm. uh, shows. I mean, I think um, of the straight shows that we did, I think that uh, Three Sisters stands out as one of my favorites. Um,
3: We both played the same part years later. Oh, yeah. Yeah. Shibutekin. Mitchell played Shibutekin and I was the original. <laughs> <laughs> Who did it better? He did. Oh, he did.
0: <laughs> <laughs> and oh, they he, point to each he other. Found,
3: he found things <laughs> that were I, that just blew me away. Yeah. Well, thank, thank you, Mitchell.
2: But anyway, no, I mean, uh, uh, okay. Sean Grandello, a wonderful actor. Yeah. Casey Cotta, a wonderful actor. Dan Hoy, a wonderful actor. Lizzie Hoy, uh, Grace Hoy. Uh, Rachel Hoy. Rachel Hoy. <laughs> Hoy, Hoy Hoy. All, all Hoy, Hoy. all the Hoy's. <laughs> Matthew Harris, who's yeah. now on Broadway in, uh, in playing Tito in the Michael Jackson musical. He played Colehouse Walker in Ragtime for us. Just yeah. an incredible performance. There's no question he was going to be a star, and we watch mm-hmm. him. For me, it was um, discovering Siobhan
3: Carroll. Oh, yes, Siobhan. I, I'll tell you how that happened. She was 13 years old going to FPAC, and uh, then after FPAC, we started uh, working together. I was her private acting coach, and she was a sophomore ready to go, and I said, you have to come to the Academy. She actually moved. They moved their house to live in chagrin so that she could go. She stayed with uh, the Academy, and she became one of the best actresses Wonderful. to come out of the Academy. So that was, that, that's my special.
2: And then all you we didn't mention, we loved you too oh there's too many
0: we're the best
2: five hundred people or something have come through the academy and it's it's uh, so true it's hard so many so many great ones but you take a look it's amazing what uh, a program like this does because usually you go to high school and then you make your friends in college and your lifelong Mm -hmm. friends but that seems to have been somewhat of a reverse here and that so many kids who went to the academy all live together in New York City, right. you know, in Washington Heights and up and mm-hmm. they all live in the same neighborhood. They want to be around each other. So we formed friendships here. Yeah. So that's more than theater is a way of life. It's, it's, it's about a family. You, you can't just go and learn some lines and stand up on stage and show off your pretty ankles and your, your lovely face and your sweet smile and your singing voice. It's got to be something that is part of you. And that means the people that are on stage with you. And it becomes a, an embrace of humanity. And you don't forget those things. That's, to me, what the theater has always been. It's a profession, yes, of course. And it's a hard profession. It's a great profession once you get the job. It's a hard profession when you haven't got the job. <laughs> but it isn't about making it. It's about being truthful. There's totally different ideas. Making it, that's a career thing and you know you have to do all the resumes and all that stuff but when you're on the stage none of that matters what matters is who are you how does this play resonate with you how do you discover And find something that doesn't exist. You know, there are all these great characters out there. You know, Blanche the Streetcar Named Desire. uh, And she is this remarkable written character. But she doesn't exist. Her thoughts, her memories, her dreams do not exist. That's your job. Your job is to find her thoughts and memories. And rehearsal is a discovery. It's not a dictatorship. Stand over there, stand over there. It's like, what is it? that you think she wants to do right now. Well, let's do that. Don't talk. Just do it. Let's do it physically. Let's just see what happens. And then behavior starts to happen, and acting is behavior. You just had an
3: acting lesson right here, <laughs> yeah. right here in real in, time. Uh, I hope everyone's time. ready
0: with their notebooks because this is a lesson.
3: <laughs> oh, yeah.
0: <laughs> yeah. That's what you guys leave me speechless countless times, working with Tom as your uh, assistant stage manager, there have been many a times where I've watched your work and have just been blown away. Knowing that so many connections are made at the academy and seeing those connections from start middle and like you said, like to now people are living with each other in New York that they knew here. When you took this job, did you guys ever expect it to be this much of like a family, as big as it is? Did you ever expect it to come out the way that it did?
2: My experience in the theater, I went to a high school that was, um, <laughs> it didn't teach me very much. When I, and in my senior year, I had gone to and Arts Academy, uh, where I actually discovered education uh, in a profound way. But I got involved in the theater because I felt like I was a sardine crammed in a little thing in high school. When I went to my youth theater, there was all these amazing people. I'm still friends with those people from when I'm 15 years old. I still talk to them on... How do we make friends like that? It's because the theater engenders it. The theater is demanding that you bring your heart to the rehearsal. Not your talent or your ego, but you bring your heart and your hum- humility and understand that it's all beyond us. That and being you- said,
3: no, I had no idea no. at the time that it would grow into this. Mitchell always has to stop me because I no, always I get don't. rambling on I, about some would, damn that thing. That we, we, we had this like going on. We, we co-taught. Uh, Shakespeare in many of the classes here when I was still here. I stopped coming here once the pandemic started. The last show I did was She Loves Me. Um, And that's the last time I directed here, except for um, helping you. But it did every, you know, I think we we knew what it was going to be by 2011. That was the year of where the whole thing came to fruition, where it had grown into this, we had incredible students, and those are the students who are now... With the, I mean, every year. Every year they were... But that's that was sort of the turning point.
2: It does surprise me that it happened. I wasn't sure if it would happen because I wasn't sure how 16-, 17-, and 18-year-olds would take mm-hmm. to some of the classes because it's fairly sophisticated stuff for teaching. It's college stuff. But, boy, people respond. It's, it's almost like... As a 16-year-old, you're not as far away from being a kid as you are when you're 30. And it may even be a little easier for you to get childish and silly on stage because you're not, I don't know, quite, uh, uh, you still believe in Never Never Land. Yeah. Yeah. Life
1: hasn't quite hit you yet. Continuing on, now that you've seen where Academy is, what do you hope for the future of it?
3: Oh, Wow! For the academy now, yeah, yeah, to continue to grow and be uh, keep the uh, the spirit of it going. I just from being here in, for ten minutes, I can see it's going on, and it's it's not ended because we ended.
2: <laughs> no, you know, we have to as as artists in the theater strive for excellence, and there has to be somebody setting some standards. And we set our own standards here, whether other people believe it or not, but we expect from people their absolute best and giving and the embrace. And it's hard when you're coming into a a program like this in high school, you've got so much other stuff going on in your life, and God knows who knows what's going to happen next, Mm -hmm. right? But when we're in this space, when we're working here, this is... Us and our souls and our humanity. Yeah. And it was a safe place. And it's safe. We try to make it as safe as possible. There's always crazy people, but we still try to make it safe.
0: Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> that's why I feel like a lot of the students that come here have you ever seen uh, The Purge? The movie The Purge? I don't know. Oh, think where I, they take one day to, to kill everybody. Or a movie. There, well, there is a scene where it's like, oh, you have to be careful, you have to be safe, there's crazy people. And, like, the kids turn around, they're like, we are the crazy people. Uh I feel like that's so many of Uh theater kids. Yes. Yeah, because people looking in from the outside are just like, oh, my God, like, how can you be comfortable doing that? Like, that looks so dumb. But, like, you know, you take it all in and you love it, you learn it, you love it, you live it, and it's Mm – it just exactly. becomes it becomes something that you really couldn't live without. Like, that's
2: good. Oh, I love no, that. No, that's absolutely right. You really you can't live without it. I, I, I'm retired now, but I'm going to start doing some adult teaching in the future and get back into it because, you know, it's nice to be retired and not have to get up at 6.30 in the morning. Mm-hmm. Yeah. That's my favorite part about retirement. The part I don't like about retirement is just sort of the vacuous Empty cloud that's in my head with nothing to do. It's like, well, what should I do? I don't know. I'll, uh, watch television. Yeah. Uh, <laughs> you, know, you know. But so I, I think we have to, we have to keep doing it. We have to keep doing it. Yeah. I mean, it's 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 not that I'm an actor or a director or a producer or artistic director. I'm just I'm an artist. And when you have an, when you're an artist, you want you need to. Create, you need to do something and make make sense of what's happening in this life. It's crazy life.
0: And, you know, being an artist, not everything is going to be perfect. And that's one thing that a lot of people struggle to get is that not every performance is going to be spot on. Like, not every performance is going to be a T to the script. Mm-hmm. And it doesn't have to be, which kind of leads into my next question. What is the biggest improvisation that you guys have had to make in your acting career?
3: What do you mean by improvisation?
0: Like something goes wrong on the stage, a light cue didn't flick, or oh, like, t- someone forgot a prop. Like, how did you...
3: Yeah, I'll tell you one. <laughs> what was your favorite? Um, well, when I, I played Lady Bracknell in uh, The Importance of Being Earnest once, and my wig came off. And I picked up the wig, and I looked at, um, I think it was Jack, yeah. And I said, you have no seen my wig come off. If you tell anyone about it, I will ruin your reputation. <laughs> well that's, done. That's what I did. And that's the other time I, I was uh, playing in Twelfth Night, uh, I played Sir Toby Belch, and Tom directed it. And there is one moment where I have to read a letter from Malvolio, and I brought the wrong letter because I had it all written out, and I hadn't memorized it, which is a lesson for all of you. Yes, Memorize your letters. Yeah. I brought, and I started to improvise mm-hmm. in in blank verse, and I got away with it. People didn't know.
2: Well, because nobody knows.
3: Yes, but I, I, you know, yeah, yeah, you I didn't it just off. go. we will we'll, right,
2: well, we'll look at it. We'll watch it go. That's what Toby does. Well, those those say, are though. my
3: big improvs.
2: <laughs> I, I was in a uh, production of of uh canterbury tales and i was playing chaucer and i had a scene the, the two knights palemon and somebody were fighting with each other and the king is supposed to come out and he gives this long chaucerian speech mm-hmm. in uh, iambic pentameter about um stop the fighting we have to we have to we have to behave we have to be noble people i walked out they were fighting and i opened my mouth and there was absolutely nothing in my head. I I, I had nothing in my head. I just went, and they looked at me, and then they kept fighting a little bit, and then I sort of mustered my courage, and I said, uh, I say, there shall be no more fighting. And then I walked off stage. (laughs) That's it. No need for the extra words. That was just the best I fight. could do. I can just
0: imagine how confused they must have been. Just wasn't there. They just were,
2: they just done. laughed. No, they didn't. I I went backstage <laughs> after and I said, to the guy, "Oh, I'm so sorry." <laughs> I loved it. So. <laughs> You know, forgetting lines is is probably one of the most terrifying things that you can experience. It's it almost is. like having a gun pointed at your head. Yeah, it's uh, you're out there and you are completely exposed, and there is no way around it. You cannot just go on. I'm sorry, I forgot my lines. You have to f- find a way through it. Night of the iguana. Night of the iguana. <laughs> Mitchell played a character. A good, played a character who was considered one of the great poets of the American. <laughs> And he gets out and he's dying and he's going to give his last, he finally has finished his poem and he goes out and he sits in his chair and he goes, I finished it, I finished it. He says, just read it to us. So he goes, and then he just makes up a poem. I, but, well, actually, the, the truth is I'd gotten
3: halfway through it and then I went blank, just like he was talking about. And I wrote a poem. Mm-hmm. On stage, and that's the one they recorded. I see it when I see it on film. I think, oh my god! <laughs> How well,
0: often do you see it on on?
3: I've only I've only watched it once. I, I watch all, every time we do a show. Okay. I watch it once. Yeah, no, I don't watch oh it Oh my Gosh, yeah.
0: I feel like forgetting a line is both the best and worst thing to possibly happen because it's like you're so embarrassed but then like something hilarious comes Often, out. Yes, Often,
2: yes, absolutely. Can. Well, absolutely. anything new, see, that's the thing that's interesting about our work. When you forget a line, that's happening in the moment. You know, mm-hmm. it's actually happening on stage and so the other actors must go with it. Mm-hmm. You understand? So you can't just stand there. Nobody can just stand there and go, oh, he says, lines in a minute. I don't know what's coming next. You've got to be able to help and you got to be able to make it happen and keep yeah. the keep it truthful, mm-hmm. and so so uh, oftentimes something like that, an accident, suddenly spurs the action <laughs> on into something hysterical or mm-hmm. powerful or.
1: You see, I was working a one man show, and we ran into a moment during the show where he has forgotten his line. Now we are very very lucky that a this is a brilliant actor, mm. and b the way the show is built is you can fall into the circumstance and it makes sense. Mm. So his solution is to go, wait, I want to make sure I get this part exactly right. Because he's already let the audience in on the fact that like, this is a play, it's not real. And he walks up to the booth, he makes direct eye contact with me because I was assistant stage managing, and just goes, can you remind me of exactly how this part of the story goes? Wow. Brilliant.
2: And then you told him and on with the show. Well, because no one's pretending, right? I mean, if it happens, audiences are very forgiving. Don't forget, they've yeah. paid 50 bucks to come and see this show, and by God, they're going to like it. <laughs> Even if the show is horribly acted and horribly directed, they'll say, oh, didn't you love the costumes? <laughs> they were so pretty. Because I'm not going to admit to my friends that I paid $50 to see a bunch of junk. I, 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 I want something. So your audiences are pretty forgiving. <laughs>
1: I want to continue on the train of mishaps because it's always fun to talk about. So here at Academy, you work with high schoolers. What is the biggest, funniest, most excellent mishap you've seen in one of these shows with the high schoolers you work with?
3: Uh, I won't say... Oh, I've got it. Oh, go ahead. <laughs> I was directing... I directed Beyond Therapy, and Tom had suggested... Hold that one. <laughs> Tom had suggested... <laughs> That the therapist that was in the play be sitting on a big ball, bouncing, oh, no. you know? a, b- a bouncing what? ball. And she, and she would An bounce on ball. It. Oh ball. No. Well, it's right over there. See that side of the stage? She's bouncing on the ball, and all of a sudden she flies off the stage and ends on up her on her head. It, on Ends up on the floor down here, off the steps. And we hear this little voice I'm all right. Her hand comes up. Yeah. All ah! right. And, up, she, goes and she got back, got back on that ball, and did the show.
2: I wish you could have seen her fly but on that, that ball, though. Was the most amazing <laughs> mishap I've ever seen. Well, I'll tell you one. When we were doing Macbeth, our our first Macbeth, um, we were they were they were rehearsing the fight every night. We do a fight rehearsal, and it was the fight between Mal, I mean um, Macduff and Macbeth. And Macduff had a battle axe, a real battle axe. It, was, it weighed eight. Pounds or something with a stick on the end. And Macbeth had the sword, and they were mark just marking it. But something happened, and Macbeth didn't knock do a blow, and very slowly that eight pound axe came right down on Macbeth's head yeah. and split his skull open about four inches, three inches. And it didn't bleed very much. And somebody came in and said, Tom, Macduff just hit Ryan in the yeah. head with a battle axe. <laughs> what?
0: <laughs> Wait, you gave high schoolers a real battle axe. Well, yes, yeah, under I lots
2: give... and lots of safety precautions. Of this course. is
1: why I give my well. I'm not going to use a plastic, plastic battle boat. axe.
2: You've got to have a battle axe. I got to do clanking of. Um, yes, and just because you're a high schooler doesn't mean you're going to want to chop somebody's head off.
0: Well, no. <laughs> are not the smartest of people when it comes to weapons. That's you true. see,
2: this
1: is my greatest fear when I teach stage combat to middle schoolers. Yeah. Sabrina's <laughs> well,
0: a middle school teacher. She knows all about
2: this. In middle school, give them styrofoam I swords. I gave them <laughs>
1: plastic and uh, foam, but, and they still but, manage to fall off the stage in chairs <laughs> and tables and all the above. When
2: we do something like that, mm-hmm. we, we have a, a fully certified stage combat person who works We work slow, slow, slow. So there's really very little opportunity. This is such a strange accident because because it was just slow, you know. But that thing was heavy enough that it. He did the show with that split in his head. Yeah, he he played. I I I, his dad was there. I said and I said, listen, Mm -hmm. you. How are you feeling? He goes, I'm going to do it. I'm going. It's my opening night. I'm playing Macbeth. I'm going to do it, and he did it. And he went to the after the show, he went to the hospital and got (laughs) his four staples in his (laughs) hand. So that was not funny, but it was interesting.
0: It's not funny, but it's memorable.
2: Uh, oh, very. Yeah. Well, it was a scary it. moment. Well, you how know? could you
0: forget something like that? You can't. Exactly. Right. I could just imagine him walking into that ER, like, all in his costume and everything, just being like, hey, I just came from an opening night. Uh, can you all help me out real quick? Well,
2: <laughs> there's been, I mean, one of the reasons Macbeth has, um, we have to call it the Scottish play, because mm. it's supposed to be bad mm. luck, because so many things happen in rehearsal of Macbeth, mostly because the play is about black magic, mm-hmm. which scares people to death when they think about it. Uh, it's about sword play, very vicious sword play. Heads are being cut off. People are drinking psychedelic drugs that the witches gave them. Anyway, there, there have been so many accidents. I, I was in a production of Macbeth a long time ago where, the, where in the middle of the sword fight, the pummel, the, the stang on the end of the uh, uh, sword broke, and he had hit the thing, and the sword, the end of the sword, went mm-hmm. right oh. out into the audience. Oh, my God.
0: Was everyone okay?
2: Everyone didn't hit anybody. It hit an empty okay. seat. But, you know, oh, one time I was doing um, Othello at the Cleveland Playhouse, mm-hmm. and uh, I was working with Morgan Lund, who was playing Iago, and I was playing Rodrigo, and uh, we were I was playing an audience for kids. And I'm sitting there talking to him, and all of a sudden, an apple explodes on his chest like just bursts into an apple pie somebody had thrown an apple from the audience oh and God. smacked him right in the chest so awful i yeah. have
1: a new fear doing theater <laughs> well
2: there are some there are some Dangers, but not yeah. very many, really.
0: Sabrina, don't give your kids apples, please. Yeah.
2: They, they had to all come and apologize yeah. to us, yeah. The whole the whole school game. Well,
0: especially because Sabrina's severely allergic to apples, so it's oh, like oh,
2: know, really? it
0: hits you. I'm down for the kettle.
2: That's, That's what oh, wow. A in
0: the
1: ER.
2: How could you be allergic to apples?
1: It's an extended pellet allergy.
2: You should have been Eve. Would have solved a whole bunch of problems. <laughs>
3: <laughs> oh my god! Unfortunately, you had didn't you have to eat an apple to find out you were allergic? Yep. Okay. Oh, that. So quick. that that there's your Eve theory gone.
0: So now that we know, like, you know, what you guys' favorite memory with each other was, <sighs> we want to know what was one thing that just annoyed the crap out of you guys about each other.
3: When class. When we were teaching together and class was over and he wouldn't stop talking.
1: <laughs> I love that you were very ready with that answer. Yeah. yeah.
3: Well, that was the only thing that ever annoyed me. I had it like say, Tom, it's 220. I'm
2: used to that tone from lots of people. Mm-hmm. Um, I, a, I don't know. I don't experience. try. I, uh, Mitchell, annoying Mitchell. Uh, <laughs> I, I, I laugh. <laughs> no, that's no? The, his oh, laugh God. is outrageous. It's fantastic. I guess I would just get annoyed with him that he would kept wanting to stay home, not come, not not come oh. and be
3: in shows. Yeah. He, well,
2: Mitchell. So you know he was very cautious of his private time. But when he committed, he committed. Yeah. So I don't really have any well, thanks. Any I, kind of issues no, that I can no, think of. Now I feel guilty. Uh, no. The first time I encountered Mitchell. I was directing The Odd Couple at the Chagrin Valley Little Theater. I must have been 21 years old or something, 22 years old. And um, Mitchell auditioned for Mm -hmm. The Odd Couple. And of course, he was clear that he would be a shoe in for Felix. And I didn't cast him, but I cast his brother. Um, (laughs) That's right. (laughs) That's right, he did. And um, in retrospect, maybe I should have cast Mitchell. Rollin was great. Yeah, well, actually, yeah, no, Rollin, yeah, Rollin, yeah, Rollin, very, yeah Rollin was really...
1: Well, with our next question, since apparently both Angie and I are agents of chaos, I wanted to ask, over all the years, who has been your favorite teacher at Academy, and you can't see each other, you can't see yourselves?
3: I think my favorite was Cody Swanson because he was my assistant for all the improv shows, and then he took it over and did a brilliant job so I loved I loved working with Cody and I of course you said I'm not allowed to say him who else who else oh. Well I would say
2: um actually Ben Ben if wasn't, oh, if, it wasn't yeah. if it wasn't wasn't for Ben of so much of the academy were. wouldn't yeah. have existed I, I provided my own you know artistic esoteric kind of thing but Ben brought square corners to the organization and brought in the ability to create beautiful sets and what, and also has a, <laughs> had a, had a, a tremendous, a tremendous management skill. And as a teacher, he's really good at letting kids, you know, give it a go. Um, mm. And so it's, he's experiential, but really uh, Ben's easily, if not the best, one of the best set designers around, oh, and uh, without question, and our shows are always enhanced. You know what it's like as an actor you're working in the in an empty room, and then all of a sudden you step onto a stage and the world sort of starts to surround you. that isn't an, that isn't always the case, you know sometimes yeah. we're like we have to uh pretend that that wall doesn't have rips in it, and uh, that chair actually has a screw that will hold me up.
0: I can definitely attest to. Ben sets being mm. the best that I have seen.
2: Sure. Mm-hmm.
0: Okay, I'm gonna do a, a 180 over here. Okay. <laughs> um. So this is my staple question. It has been in every episode. Sabrina knows what I'm talking about. Mac and cheese tulips. Mac and cheese tulips and hair. Oh, is this um, what
2: your favorite swear word is? That one? <laughs> <laughs> oh.
0: No. No. This is PG, not PG 13. Oh, <laughs>
2: okay. PG 13. Oh no. My favorite <laughs> swear word is not gonna be PG 13. <laughs>
0: Um, <laughs> that might have a question next time. <laughs> <laughs> if you could change 100% of the earth's grass into something, what would it be?
2: That is the weirdest question. <laughs> I know. So, oh, uh, I got
0: it off TikTok. <laughs> oh, you did? I did. Uh,
2: if I was, if I could turn the gra- grass into anything, I would uh, turn it into, um, beef stroganoff.
0: Why beef stroganoff? I
2: love beef stroganoff.
0: <laughs> Fair enough.
2: I love all the sour cream and all the spices and all the meat and on the noodles and mm, or on a potato. Or on a potato, yeah. Although if it was all over the world, I don't know, it might be messy. So, uh. yeah,
3: yeah.
2: I just would provide
3: I think something that was edible food mm-hmm. to feed the world.
0: Let's go logical answers. So, There's two this is this is you and me, Sabrina. There's two very different answers. Be yeah, I'm
2: all about me and he's all about the world.
0: Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> so well we've had like mac and cheese tulips. Uh we hair. Had hair. Uh, oh, oh,
2: hair. That was the weirdest one I heard that, that I know, Sean right? Grandillo said that I think. Was uh, that,
0: no, it wasn't Sean. Cole was, Hirsch. Because didn't Cole also Cole, say yeah. that he hair. loves the feel of like right after you've cut your hair. When it's all itchy, yeah. I I don't like that having going from That would like,
2: mean that you would be walking love on someone's but that scalp. Answer was weird. Uh, yeah. And among- well, like
0: going from like long hair to short hair. Like yeah. I know what I know what he like is talking about. I hate that feeling.
2: Yeah, but no. you well, your hair is good now. Uh, you like it?
0: Oh, I love it. And
2: yeah, you, you know great. what? You're you're ready for the army.
0: It's practical. Yes. <laughs> I'm going to take us back to a
1: little bit more serious. Sad. You'll get over it. (laughs) I want to know, what is the biggest learning curve you experienced at Academy? This is probably going to be a bigger question for Tom, because Tom has been here from the get-go, but I also want to hear your input, Mitchell.
2: Okay. Well, there's a lot of considerations in high school about the nature of the shows that you do and, you know, all of the rules that are out there in society to protect children um, and, um, all the administrative stuff, I, 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 it's always a learning curve for me. That's why it was so important that Ben showed up because Ben just re and it here. I'll take that. <laughs> and, uh, so I think a learning curve really is learning to operate in a, uh, uh, it's not an adult environment. It's still a protected environment. Mm-hmm. And uh, while that didn't really cramp our style much, uh, we really never had any problems with censorship or anything like that. Uh, the school's been fantastic at that. You know, there are lots of things, and we're supposed to do things in a certain order and all that, and uh, that was a bit of a learning curve for me. Mm-hmm. Yeah. For me,
3: it was realizing the... um differences in learning in this academy that there were talent there were very talented and very inexperienced people yeah. and my learning curve was how to monitor learning to adjust my teaching to everybody so that was that's what I tried to yeah, do
2: yeah i agree with that too yeah. because when you have in college, by the time most people are at some similar level of experience. Where here, Not here. we have kids with absolutely no experience, never stepped on the stage mm-hmm. before, and some who have been doing youth theater all their life. Uh, and so finding a balance to make sure that the kids who really understand what's going on, uh, uh, intuitively, don't get suddenly bored with m- me working yeah. with someone who's never, you know, we're going right. back to, this is an A, and this is a B, and this is a c and meanwhile there's people over here who know the alphabet backwards mm. and forward. and uh so finding that balance i think we did okay with it i don't think we always succeeded but i was pretty good yeah yeah you were that that's it happens to be one of my talents well isn't. he's a teacher but then again I, I you know
3: i was a teacher since 1963 <laughs> yeah i had a s- 60 year
2: career i had only taught adults so I, I never really i taught some kids but i never taught a whole group of um, uh, kids, uh, high school kids. So it's it's a different thing. If you're having a, a private acting class and you are paying mm-hmm. to come to the acting class, you, you show up, mm-hmm. you know, because <laughs> and there, you do your work because you're you're paying for it. And mm-hmm. I'm not grading you under those circumstances. Oh, I guess that's it. I hate grading. Yeah, that was a problem. I hate well, grading. I don't like what it. I don't think it, it's hard because it's hard to grade art. Mm-hmm. You know, you can't really say, "Oh, well, that's art's better than that art." So we have to then go back and look at, I don't know, behavior in class yeah. or or their we, commitment. We grade it on growth. Yeah, yeah. yeah. growth. Was, growth is how we did it. It's the only way to do it. Um, but I always feel I have a lot of sympathy for actors, so I'm a yeah, very easy too. grader.
0: Me too. You guys said that some of these guys came in and had never even, like, walked on stage before. That seems to have been, like, a pretty common theme with the other alumni that we have interviewed. Like, talking to Sean and Cole, like, both of them said that, oh, yeah, just kind of, like, auditioned for Academy. Like, it seemed cool. And then they ended up doing what they're doing today. Like, it's absolutely amazing. I think
3: I directed him in his first play. Which one? Uh Apple uh, no, was it uh Apple Tree. Apple Tree. Yeah. He played Adam. Yeah.
0: Uh Sean or Cole?
3: Sean Sean, Sean? and yeah. I I directed Sean um Cole in Beyond Therapy.
0: Nice. Yeah. That's what uh Cole told a story about when he sent an envelope full of hair. To a kid in one of your classes, Tom. Do you
3: remember that day? I have no idea.
2: No. There were so many things that went on. I have no <laughs> idea. I don't even want yeah. to know about him. No. Somehow Ben finds out about him, but I go, don't tell me. I don't wanna I don't wanna hear it.
0: <laughs> what about Sean? Do you guys have any um, like stories about Sean?
2: Sean always wanted to hold everybody's hand. Yeah. Okay. Sit, Is it squishing hands? He would sit in class and he'd just go like this. And, yeah, and people would just right. sit there and let him, you know, what are you doing? He goes, oh, I don't know, I have to hold hands. And he did. And yeah, everybody in the right. class said, okay. So he sat there holding hands.
0: <laughs> what about Claire?
2: Well, Claire was, Claire was the sweetest. She was afraid when she first came. And afraid yeah. that she wouldn't make friends. And yeah. Then some people mm-hmm. came forward and... Uh, she had. A, she was very, very shy, but boy, did she change. Two years here, she just blossomed, and now she's got this amazing job I mean, choreographing. Drone shows. Drones, yeah. Have yeah. you ever seen some of those things, they're unbelievable.
1: I have one last question that I always like to ask, and it's going to be extra powerful coming from you two. What is one piece of advice you would give to current and future Academy students?
3: Take advantage of it because it. I don't think that... Um, you realize in the moment how impactful this is going to be on the rest of your life. And so pay attention to that. Be present every day that you can be. I mean, not just body-wise, but present in the moment and take advantage of all the things that the Academy has to offer.
2: My advice, your uniqueness is your power. Oh, yes.
1: The motto itself.
2: Because everybody has this voice in them that's saying, you suck. You're Mm. terrible. You're not going to do it. You're going to fail. And that's because we're trained to think that for some reason we're not good enough. And so learning to understand that who you are is the most powerful thing in the room. You cannot be Mitchell, you cannot be me, you cannot be each other, you can only be you. And that's the only thing you have, you have nothing else. You cannot think someone else's thoughts, you cannot feel somebody else's feeling, you only have yourself. And so every role you play is you. Filtered through the circumstances of the play. So how would you respond if this situation were in front of you and and with what you know about the character? And it's all about it, nothing comes out of an actor that is that works that isn't true. And if you here's here's a, a, a really great way of thinking of it. Don't push. That's my advice, don't push. Let it unfold. Don't try to make the grass grow by pulling on it. You know, get out there and let nature unfold and let yourself work in it. That's what a rehearsal should be, Mm -hmm. a discovery process, not you being a little marionette where I pull your strings. You have something to offer that I have no idea. I don't know who you are. I know you as a person. I know you a little bit. I don't know what kind of secrets, what kind of griefs, what kind of happiness, what kind of hopes... You have inside of you, and those have to be activated on the stage with your own unique self. Yeah. Nothing else. And Tom's talent is being able to perceive
3: that in a student and bring it out and give them the confidence.
2: A good director will always give you a sense that you can do it. Mm
0: -hmm. I feel like those are very powerful pieces of advice that all of us, and even if you're not in the academy or acting at all, you can still take stuff away from that. When I first came here as a little junior me, Mm -hmm. uh, I was terrified. I was terrified that I wouldn't do well, that I wouldn't fit in, that nobody would like me. And then, you know, a year and a half later, I'm still here. I'm loving it. And, like, I have you to thank for giving me an amazing first year. And I have... Mitchell to thank for just creating such a safe space. Well, both of you created a safe space, but like, I mean, I didn't know Mitchell very well in my time here because I came the year after you left. Um, But I think that like what you guys have built here is just an amazing thing that will hopefully live on for years to come. Um, And unfortunately, this is... The part where it comes to an end, it's very sad. Um,
2: (laughs) This, my friend, is only the beginning. (laughs) (laughs) But it is
0: time for a shameless plug. So anything that you guys may have in the works or anything you guys want to promote, now is your time to get it all on the
3: air. I just want to promote my movie that's coming out. I don't know exactly when. It just was finished editing. But it was directed and written by two graduates. Um, and the motto is, always be nice to your students. You never know when they're going to give you a job.
2: <laughs> <laughs> uh-huh. and
3: that's happened to me quite a bit. Quite a bit that I'm the students have hired me. That's my promotion. Yanov, Yanov, Yanov. Thank
2: on you. March 20th, I am, with a few other people in town, opening a training program called the Actors Workshop. And it's going to be myself and Mitchell and Deirdre Ring and Gene Zarzer and... Uh, Ellen Friedman. Ellen Friedman, and I haven't gotten a friend, but maybe Terrence Spivey, too, from Karamu. Um, so it's just going to be... It's, but it's going to be this, but it's going to be for people 18 and over, except the audition class, which can... Two sixteen, 16 but um it's after school stuff it's not you know it's after work stuff it's part time but i need i wanted to get together some of the best people in town that i know um i wanted to create a space where i could continue to carry on some of this stuff that we've been talking about today uh, i have no idea if anybody wants to study with an old geezer and if nobody studies you know Oh well, you should study a, with him. Yeah, you well,
0: definitely should, yeah.
2: I I, uh, I think um, the, the worst that could happen is that we have a website and and have a party and nobody comes. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. But I think someone will. I I don't know. You'll see. It'll be out pretty soon. Uh, and it will be. This is the first time I've actually said anything about it. So mm-hmm. I wondered if you were going to. <laughs> yeah. Well, what the hell. Um, I've been spending about. I spent the last eight months working on a website that does all. the the things like, um, you know, uh, being able to buy, pay online, and and it's a whole, it's pretty extensive. Uh, and it's almost done, and I've tested it, and so next week or so, I'll release it.
1: Okay, that is all the time we have for questions and information today, but we have loved getting to chat with you two. Thank you. And thank you for finding the time to hang out with us, answer some
0: questions.
2: Oh, we love it. Yeah. I'm going to be here to see uh, yeah, the, the rest great- of your shows.
0: Join us again when we talk with directors Deirdre and Adam and students Alicia and Brandon about the Academy's Junior Play Festival. Also, don't forget to buy your tickets for that on the Academy website.
1: And you can also check out the Academy website for Antigone, which will be streaming for free starting on March 3rd. Thank
0: Thank you you for coming coming to our Tech Talks. Talks. Bye. Bye!